I want to start this morning with a story of two Australian sailors. Two Australian sailors, they're in a foreign port and they're wandering around after a big night out on the town. They've had a big night, they've had a few too many drinks and they've suddenly found themselves lost and they're wandering around this strange and foreign town trying to figure out where the dock actually is and perhaps where their boat is. As they're wandering around, they said they turned around and they saw this gentleman walking towards them in a white sailor suit. From the distance, they couldn't see the medals. They couldn't find out that he was the admiral. And so they approached him and they said to him in their slurred speech, could you tell us where the docks are and maybe where our boat is? The admiral looked at them with disdain and disgust. He said to him, do you have any idea who I am? And one Australian looked at the other. He said, man, we are in trouble. We don't know where we are, but he doesn't even know who he is. And I want to say to you this morning, that for so many Christians seems to be the way we live our life. We either don't know where we're going to or where we're coming from. And the most important thing, we don't know who we are. And even more, we don't know whose we are. This morning, I pray that the Spirit of God would speak to you in revelation, in wisdom and in understanding. If you were with me on Good Friday, we said that Good Friday was this cyclic event that every person, every Christian, every human being experiences a Good Friday experience at some point in their life. We talked out of Luke 24, and you can watch the message online you can go and recap it, or you can read it for yourself in Luke 24. And we talked in Luke 24, I'm just going to give a quick recap, how Cleopas and his companion, I love the fact that Cleopas's companion is called, he's left unnamed. Do you know what? I think Cleopas's companion was me. I think Cleopas's companion is you. I think every one of us finds ourselves, and this is what we shared, in a Good Friday moment. Palm Sunday has finished, the celebration has finished, and we find ourselves where dreams have died, where things have gone astray, where things have gone amiss, and we don't know what to do. We're discouraged and we're disappointed, and we find ourselves walking away from Jerusalem to Emmaus. We find ourselves walking away from the presence of God, the person of God, and the peace of God. And that for me is one of the saddest things that we don't know how to navigate this better. If you don't know how to navigate this, you are doomed to repeat it. If you don't know how to navigate your Good Friday and get from the Good Friday to the Celebration Sunday, you are doomed to repeat that cycle over and over again. Good Friday, dreams die. People are disappointed, discouraged and disillusioned. But today, everyone say today is Easter Sunday. Are you ready? Because he is risen. He is risen indeed. And then I break out and everyone joins me as we break out into death could not hold him down for he is risen. Come on, one more time. Seated upon the throne, he is the Lamb of God. Come on, death could not, and death could not hold him down, for he is risen. All right, that's the best I got. <laughs> I tell you what, some people just say suck on Good Friday, and if you don't know how to deal with your disappointments, you will repeat them. You will either become, from Good Friday, you will either become bitter or you'll become better. 
You will either navigate your disappointments and discouragement and become bitter, and you meet those people, not here at JC, thank God, but sometimes you meet them in the world, don't you? You meet those people who have been beaten down by the world. They have no idea how to navigate this, and they're just weighed down. You know, you meet them, and you're like, how are you? And every day, they have a cloud for their silver lining. Every day, they have a bigger problem than the day before. And other people you meet, and you know they've gone through. Can I tell you a story yesterday? I don't want to share any names, but I saw this beautiful little girl with a nasal feeding tube, who was small for her age. She was throwing flower petals on. She was diagnosed with cancer three years ago, and she was the brightest button at the wedding last night. She outshone the bride with her smile. This girl is going through so many different problems, and yet she had a glorious smile. I thought, that's what I want to be like. I don't want to be defeated by problems. I know there's going to be problems. I know there's going to be issues, but I'm going to say if we navigate them well, we get from Good Friday to Easter Sunday. And I encourage you, when you see your disappointment, when you see your discouragement, when you see the things that have died, when you see the things that have got lost, can I encourage you to see it? I need everyone to see it as a seed. To see it as a seed. When Jesus was sown into the tomb, he was sown in weakness but raised in strength. When you go through a tough time, it's a bad time then, but it's going to come out better. You're either going to come out better or you're going to come out bitter. And I want to talk to you about how to navigate that. We're going to talk about the three R's today, but I want to just do this for a minute. Can you imagine a farmer who went out and sowed his seed into the ground. He can't see the seed anymore. He pushes the seed in. He scatters it. It's covered over with the soil. Can you imagine him going home and being all discouraged? You know, well, I went out with a bag of grain this morning. Things were looking fantastic. We had three months worth of food to eat, and now we've got nothing. What am I going to do? He doesn't because he knows that seed will grow. He knows that what is sown is going to grow. It'll come back different but it's going to grow. In fact, the crazy farmers are weird enough to water it. You can't, anyone ever grown anything, planted something, and it starts as a seed and you cover it, it's in obscurity, and you're watering that patch of ground. You've got no idea what's happening, but you trust in the unseen to bring something to pass. If you're not maybe a follower of Jesus, you might trust in the universe. You might trust in Mother Nature. You might trust in a heart. But if you're a Christian, we trust that Christ can bring things to pass. We trust that Christ can cause dead things to live again. What separates us is we have a faith. And why do we have the faith? You ready? Because we know he's done it before. We've seen something go in the grave and someone rise again. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside each and every one of us. We ought to be the most enthusiastic, passionate people on the face of the earth. We ought to never let age be a barrier to our passion level. We ought to never let age become a problem for us. We ought to be preaching and praising and worshiping God for the rest of our life, whether we're eight or 80 whether we're 9 or 90, and if you make it to 100, well, we'd all just worship you from that point. I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, all right, you ready? Whew. Okay, let me try and get to where we're going. I wanted to just walk through this for a moment today. How many of us are still stuck on the Good Friday? And when we see this this morning, what I want to do is come to Luke chapter 24 to 26. As he drew to Cleopas and his companion, and he said to them, 
I love this scripture. Let me read it to you. He said to him, Ought not the Christ who had suffered these things and to enter his glory? And then beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. He met two people who were walking away from Jerusalem and away from God. And by sharing the scripture with them, he turned them around. By sharing truths with them, he planted something deep into their heart that made them change the way they saw this situation. I am praying that the way I sow the seed today, whatever situation you're facing, it will change the way you see the situation and what you see as death and defeat will become potential and possibilities. Can I have an amen to that? All right, here we go. Number one, what did he share with them? What did he sow them that could turn these two people around? Number one, he showed to them that they were redeemed. I love this. Redeemed. I don't know whether you remember, but many years ago, if you went to a pawn shop, you would take your watch or an item of expense or value, and you would put it in, and they would give you a redemption Notice. They would write out a piece of paper and you would hold the paper and they would hold the watch. And when you came in later on, whether it be a week or however many days, you would come in, you would give them the redemption notice, you would pay them the price and they would give you back what was yours. The Word of God says that we were redeemed. There was a price paid to purchase you back. In fact, let me give you a couple of scriptures. Micah 6 verse 4 says, for I bought you up from the land of Egypt, I redeemed you from the house of bondage, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. He brought them up out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb. In fact, it was so significant. I'm going to just read a few scriptures. This was so significant that they celebrated the Passover. And he writes this in Exodus 12, verse 2. This month, everyone say this month. Come on, let's do it again. This month. Because I'm saying that for you this morning, this month, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. This month, I believe that this week, this day can be the first day of the rest of your life. And do you know what? This is so cool. This is what I love about the Easter cycle. This is what I love about the story. This month, this week, this day is the first day of the rest of my life because the Passover lamb has redeemed me from bondage and from the land of Egypt. Now I'm going to say this, guess what tomorrow is? Tomorrow is today when you get there. So, so your today is every day you wake up. Today is the day that I've been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. Today is the day I've been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. Today is the day I've been redeemed. Why do we keep living in yesterday, in the death and discouragement of Good Friday, when today is the day I've been redeemed? Today is the day I can embrace all that Christ has for me. Let me keep reading. He goes on, he shares this story in Exodus 12, verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep of the gates, go off from the sheep or the goats. I need glasses up here. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat. You shall have the blood of the lamb or the goat over your house because today is the first day of the rest of your life. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. When the blood marks your house, today becomes a new day. The old is gone. And this is the price that's been paid. 
Peter, looking at this scripture, looking at the promises, says this in 1 Peter 1.18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. You know, silver and gold could never purchase you back. Silver, there was no human price that could have been paid that would get you to be redeemed. But it says this, he says, from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You have been redeemed, not by silver and gold, not by all of Bill Gates' wealth, not by Elon Musk's Teslas, but by the precious lamb of God, whose blood was shed so that your Good Friday could become a celebration Sunday. You have been redeemed. You have been brought back to God. He is your father and he paid a price for you to be redeemed. Let me give you the second thing you were reconciled. Reconciliation means to bring back to a former state of harmony. And so I want you to imagine Jesus walking with these two people who are discouraged and he starts to share with them, hey guys, you remember Israel, you remember the Passover, you remember that they were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He says to him, hey guys, I want you to remember that you were brought back. There's a restoration that happens in the Easter message. It says in Isaiah 53 verse 5, that he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our, can everyone say our? Our, our iniquity. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on the Christ, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to be slaughtered, and as a sheep before his shearers was silent, so he opened not his mouth. Do you know what? We had all gone our own way. We had all done our own thing. When Good Friday happened, we all turned our back on Jerusalem. We all turned our back on the presence. Isn't that how life seems to work? We all have our own moments of suffering. We all have our own moments where we're discouraged. We all have our own moments where we sometimes go, what is this God? If God how many people have heard, if God was so good, why did he let this happen? That seems to be the... So- well, come on. Jesus paid for all of that. He paid so that we could be restored to right relationship with him. He paid a price. The redemption price was his blood. And he paid the price so that we could be restored and we could be redeemed. Sorry, we could be reconciled and we could be redeemed. Romans 5 verse 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we had gone our own way and done our own things, he reconciled us to himself. And he redeemed us. Much more then, I'm going to read from verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. What does reconciled mean? It means to be brought back to a former state of harmony. 
Can you just imagine that for a minute? That when you're going through that disharmony time, when you're going through that confusion and discouragement, the blood of Jesus redeems you to bring you back to a former state of harmony with God. That's the right relationship we should be in. That's the revelation we need to walk in. I have been redeemed. I've been reconciled. And I jumped ahead, but I'm going to give you the third one this morning. I've been restored. I've been restored. If anyone in here is familiar with the parable of the prodigal son, you remember the story where the son goes off, he does his own thing, he lives a wild and lustful life, he spends all his money on harlots and in gambling dens, and when he's out of money, he finally goes back to his father. And it paints this picture, not of a dad who's waiting to punish him, not of a dad who's judgmental and angry and upset with him, but of a dad who sees him afar off and runs to him and restores him, redeems him, reconciles him to himself. But then he says this, I want to restore you. He says, go get a coat, go get the finest coat and come and put it on him. I don't want him smelling like the sheep that he's been hanging around with. I want him to have a new coat and a new identity. We're not going to be remembering him by his past. We're going to see him as something new and fresh. He goes on, he says, I want you to get the ring for his finger. I want you to restore him to a place of authority. I want to restore him to the right family. I want to give him the family name and the authority to trade in the marketplace again. He says, go and get sandals for his feet. Slaves wore barefoot, sons wore sandals. He says, I don't want anyone to see him anymore as a slave, but I want to see him as a son. He is restored to the family with all the rights of the family. Can you see that this morning, church? When it comes to Easter Sunday, it doesn't matter how bad your Good Friday has been. It doesn't matter what's been lost, stolen, or taken from you. It's a seed. And on Easter Sunday, things come back to life. The dead rise back up. And Jesus walks with you today and he talks with you and he says, listen, I need you to understand that the price that was paid was to redeem you, was to purchase you back. I need you to understand that you're reconciled. What was in disharmony is now brought into harmony with God. And I need you to understand that you are restored. You know, if you don't get that, doesn't matter what happens in life, doesn't matter how good things get, if you don't get the revelation that you are redeemed, that you are reconciled, that you are restored, then you will always live in a Good Friday state. You will always feel like something's wrong. It will cause every Good Friday to be bitter and never better. Church, I want you to just take a minute. I want you to realize this morning You are redeemed. You are reconciled. You are restored. You are redeemed. You are reconciled. You are restored. It doesn't matter how far away from Jerusalem you have walked. Today is an opportunity for you to return. Luke finishes the account with Cleopas and his companion in Luke 24, 33. It says, so they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. They rose up and returned. They rose up with a fresh revelation. And I'm going to say to you again, I'm praying that God would give you a fresh revelation. You are redeemed. Everyone say, you are redeemed. redeemed. Point to yourself now, say, I am redeemed. There was a price paid for you. 
The precious blood of Jesus Christ was shed for you. You are redeemed. You're not going to be redeemed. You are. The price has been paid. You are reconciled. That was which was in disharmony has been brought back to harmony because of what Jesus did. You are reconciled to your heavenly Father. You can continue to choose to walk away, but God stands there with his arms open saying, I have redeemed you. You are, can walk into a ministry of reconciliation with me. He says, I want to restore you back to everything that the enemy's taken. I want to restore to you, but I need you to return. And not keep walking away. And so many people, when they go through their Good Friday, head to Emmaus. So many people, when they go through their Good Friday, never realize, I'm going to say it again, that they are redeemed and reconciled and restored. And they live in a Good Friday, defeated, discouraged position. But when that revelation comes in, the revelation that Christ has done all that for you, You don't walk away anymore. You turn and you come home. And I'm going to invite Karen up here in a moment. Where is the beautiful Karen? And she's going to bring us around the table. I want to just share with you this morning, church, as I open this for Karen, because it's easier to do with one hand free, two hands free. I want you to understand this morning, church, He is inviting each and every one of you to come home. You might have been walking in the wrong direction for many, many years, but He is inviting you this morning to turn around and come home. Dad's not mad. He loves you. He redeemed you. He reconciled you. And He wants to restore you. Come home. Bless you, God. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.